Welcome to our podcast. I am Linda Messer. My husband Ron and I invite you to join us in our weekly broadcast of A New Voice of Freedom. Welcome to Season 4 of A New Voice of Freedom. The podcasts are taken from the four volumes in defense of Christianity written by Ronald Keith Messer. Podcast 3 is entitled, We the People versus Globalism. It is common for members of the same party to excuse every faux pas of members of their own party and condemn every fault of members of the opposing party. It is obvious when listening to the news which party the newscasters belong to by the way they spin the news. But we need to bypass the spin and listen to the language of our leaders and hold them accountable. On the one hand, we must show charity for simple verbal blunders spoken extemporaneously, sometimes in a fluster. We all stumble. On the other hand, we must hold them accountable for what they say. The political climate we live in today, where lying is the norm, the key is to catch them telling the truth. A lie reveals character. Satan, the father of lies, was a liar from the beginning. He is defined by his lying. But Satan himself sometimes tells the truth. The danger of Satan is not only in his lies, but it also lies in his truth, where he catches people unawares. So it is with man. You must discern the lies, but you must also catch a liar when he is telling the truth for that is often where you should be on your greatest guard. Catching the lie will reveal the character of man, but catching the truth will reveal his intent. The intent will always be revealed in the consequences, but by then it is often too late. The damage has been done. It is doubly so in Washington. Words like the shell of a nut must be cracked to reveal the true kernel. It is not the shell that bears the fruit when planted. It is the seed within the shell that will grow into a tree that bears the fruit. Concealing the truth is the highest form of treason. In prepared speeches, every word matters. In extremely important events, such as an inaugural address of a president or a State of the Union address, they should be accountable for every word, every phrase, every clause, every proposition. We must be wary of rhetorical devices and dissembling words. In President Barack Obama's first inaugural address, he uses the phrase, we the people, only once. However, he uses the phrase that means we the people over 50 times. In other words, he uses the clinical we as if we the people were in entire agreement with every assertion he makes. It is one thing to use the phrase we the people in the preamble to the Constitution. It is another to assume that what a president or any other politician says represents the voice of the people. For example, examine the following statement by President Obama. At these moments, America has carried on not simply because of the skill or vision of those in high office, but because we, the people, have remained faithful to the ideals of our forebears and true to our founding documents. Noble words, but that is the heart of the problem, isn't it? They may not mean what you think they mean. The liberals who are trying to turn us into a socialist state 
and a globalist community have not remained faithful to the ideals of our forebears and true to our founding documents. Our forebears would be appalled at where the liberals are taking our nation. As a conservative, ask yourself if President Obama speaks for we the people when he says the following, taken from his first inaugural address. Our health care is too costly. Our schools fail too many. And each day brings further evidence that the ways we use energy strengthens our adversaries and threatens our planet. These are the indicators of crisis, subject to data and statistics. Less measurable, but no less profound, is the sapping of confidence across our land, a nagging fear that America's decline is inevitable, that the next generation must lower its sight. And what did Obama replace our health care system with? Obamacare, which is twice as expensive for those who must pay for it, and free for those who don't. We may not even be able to choose our own doctors. Many prefer to pay the penalty and go without health insurance rather than pay the high premium of Obamacare. Obamacare is socialized medicine and a gross form of redistribution of wealth. Furthermore, members of Congress, whose health care is paid for by taxpayer money, exempted themselves from Obamacare, making it mandatory only for we the people. On this day, we come to proclaim an end to the petty grievances and false promises, the recriminations and worn-out dogmas that for far too long have strangled our politics. The worn-out dogmas Obama's referring to turned out to be our Bill of Rights, our Constitution, our balance of power, and our freedom. The government even used the COVID pandemic to bypass the Constitution and regulate our behavior, in many cases destroying struggling businesses by refusing to allow customers to congregate in non-government-approved businesses, which drove many small businesses out of business. Starting today, we must pick ourselves up, dust ourselves off, and begin again the work of remaking America. Perhaps that is the most disturbing concept of all. It turns out that remaking America meant to dismantle our democratic republic and change us into a welfare state. They want government dependency rather than self-reliance. They want big government rather than a government run by the voice of the people. They want socialism rather than democracy. We will harness the sun and the winds and the soil to fuel our cars and run our factories. With old friends and former foes, we will work tirelessly to lessen the nuclear threat and roll back the specter of a warming planet. Did anyone foresee that President Biden, a protege of Obama, in the name of rolling back the specter of a warming planet, would declare war on fossil fuels, even natural gas and shut down pipelines, thus doubling and tripling the price of oil and diesel and jet fuel? causing runaway inflation, that the government would outlaw gas-driven vehicles and would spend billions on failed green energy projects, that Biden would go to declared enemies of democracy and beg for oil when we have sufficient supplies in our own country, that Biden would deplete our reserves intended for national emergencies to artificially lower gas prices until after election. And we will transform our schools and colleges and universities to meet the demands of a new age. How could we have foreseen that the government would diminish the role of families? 
take over our schools, disregard fundamental subjects such as science, language, and math, and enforce policies such as teaching transgender to teens and preteens, even encouraging them to have irreversible operations changing their sex, teaching the woke agenda in kindergarten, teaching that gender is a choice and that men can have babies, teaching critical race theory, teaching that all whites are white supremacists, showing pornography in schools, forbidding parents to have a say in what is taught their children, or even in interfering with sex changes of their own children. President Biden announced, in violation of the Constitution, that he would forgive student debts amounting to billions of dollars. That is what the liberal left means by meeting the demands of a new age. At the time, we didn't realize he was speaking of the new woke age. The question we ask today is not whether our government is too big or too small, but whether it works, whether it helps families find jobs at a decent wage, care they can afford, a retirement that is dignified. Who could have foreseen that that would mean packing the Supreme Court? using the Justice Department, the FBI, and the IRS, and other government agencies as the police force of the left, having the FBI tell social media, such as Twitter and Facebook, to censor conservative voices and give ear only to liberal voices. Who would have thought it meant spying on citizens, compromising voting security, opening our borders to terrorists, drug cartels, and illegal immigration, burdening us with a $30 trillion debt, using government power to intimidate the opposition, interfering with elections, slandering nominees for the Supreme Court who opposed the liberal agenda, encouraging riots, falsely trying to impeach a sitting president, using the power of Congress to raid a former president's home, as well as arrest others who oppose the agenda of the left, using the power of office to control the media. Did anyone foresee that government would destroy small business by raising minimum wage too high? that government would take away the incentive to work by promising entitlements greater than work wages, that government would strangle business with regulations, that government would create jobs and compete with business and guarantee income. We are a nation of Christians and Muslims, Jews and Hindus, and non-believers. Did anyone see that that was actually a declaration of war against Christianity, the religion upon which this nation was founded? that government would become anti-Christian. Hillary Clinton, former presidential candidate, said, Deep-seated cultural codes, religious beliefs, and structural biases have to be changed. Laws have to be backed up with resources and political will. All the laws we've passed don't count for much if they're not enforced. Rights have to exist in practice, not just on paper. When Obama said, To the Muslim world, we seek a new way forward based on mutual interest and mutual respect. Could anyone guess that Obama would give $150 billion to nations that harbored terrorist groups? That he would encourage our enemies to arm themselves with nuclear weapons? Enemies who have sworn to annihilate the Jews? That he would leave our ambassadors to be tortured by terrorists? That he would spend millions of taxpayer dollars to edit out the word terrorist from official government documents? That Joe Biden would abandon American soldiers behind enemy lines? When Obama made the following statement, To the people of poor nations, we pledge to work alongside you to make your farms flourish and let clear waters flow. 
to nourish starved bodies and feed hungry minds. And to those nations like ours that enjoy relative plenty, we say we can no longer afford indifference to the suffering outside our borders, nor can we consume the world's resources without regard to effect. For the world has changed, and we must change with it. Could anyone see that America was going to adopt globalism and through wasteful spending incur a $30 trillion debt with no way to pay it back? Did anyone realize the implications of the following statement? This is the price and promise of citizenship. This is the source of our confidence, the knowledge that God calls on us to shape an uncertain destiny. Since when did America have an uncertain destiny? Without the help of God, this nation never would have survived the Revolutionary War. When did God ever call upon us to shape an uncertain destiny? George Washington, the first president and father of our nation, spent most of his inaugural address thanking God for the preservation of this nation. Our forefathers knew that America was to be the land of the free and to be a beacon of freedom to the world. Simply work through the list of We the People statements and ask how they translate into failed policies. One liberal congresswoman recently boasted that we should replace every building in America with energy-efficient structures within the next 10 years, outlaw planes, and ban fossil fuels. It was greeted with applause by many liberals. Joe Biden took her advice on banning fossil fuels, and look how burdensome our economy is today. In the second inaugural address, President Obama used the phrase, we the people, five times and punctuated the entire address with a clinical we. It is lame compared to the first inaugural address, but it still reflects the language of socialism, even more than the first, and promises the liberal agenda as if it were the voice of all Americans. Again, translate each assertion into real terms and policies and ask yourself, if to you, as a conservative, President Obama is speaking for you, or is he speaking the language of socialism? For we the people understand that our country cannot succeed when a shrinking few do very well and a growing many barely make it. It is an attack on self-reliance and personal accountability, a hallmark of democracy. Clauses such as shrinking few do very well and a growing many barely make it is a promotion of socialism, taken from the rich and given to the poor. Mr. Obama said, I actually believe in redistribution of wealth. So did the communists, Marxists, and all other totalitarian states. But while the means will change, our purpose endures. A nation that rewards the efforts and determination of every single American. That is what this moment requires. That is what will give real meaning to our creed. Obama was committed to reward everyone for any effort, regardless of what it was. He encouraged people to follow their dreams, even if they were not able to support themselves or their families. He pledged to support them through government funds for whatever occupation they chose. Forget self-reliance or economic reality. That is what socialism is to the left, a means to power. We recognize that no matter how responsibly we live our lives, any one of us at any time may face a job loss or a sudden illness or a home swept away in a terrible storm. Again, Obama promises government bailouts. People do not need to be self-reliant. They do not need to save for the future or be frugal or sacrifice or buy insurance. The government will step in and help 
It is full-blown socialism, as the following statement illustrates. The commitments we make to each other through Medicare and Medicaid and Social Security, these things do not sap our initiative. They strengthen us. They do not make us a nation of takers. They free us to take the risks that make this country great. The language is noble, but both inaugural addresses are arguments against our democratic republic and arguments for the virtues of socialism, a government-controlled economy, redistribution of wealth, and bigger government. Remember the following assertion from his first inaugural address? The question we ask today is not whether our government is too big or too small, but whether it works. What happened to self-reliance? Socialists say that you can't do it alone. Therefore, you must rely upon the government. The implication is that to meet the needs of the people, we must have a bigger government. Has any other president in the history of the United States of America made a statement so unadorned that so unashamedly foreshadows the doom of our democratic republic and replaces it with big government. The moment we stop asking, is the government too big, is the moment we stop being free. We're no longer a democratic republic governed by we the people. We are a socialist state controlled by a few. We must not forget that we the people rule. Congress serves. Servants do not set the standards. We the people set the standards. And when our servants exceed those standards, they should be dismissed. Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast.